Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, this morning we are joined by Ivy Riggs, one of our legislative and political organizers. Good morning, Ivy. Good morning. Um, a lot has happened this week uh, as far as EPIC goes. Uh, for folks who might not remember, probably everyone does, uh, a, a more than a year ago, the governor asked our state auditor inspector to do an investigative audit of EPIC charter schools. Um, and EPIC contests those responses, but a lot has gone on this week. So can you kind of catch us up? Monday, the State Board of Ed met about EPIC. Can you tell us what happened? Sure. I, I just want to take one tiny step back. A, a, a year ago, the reason the governor called for that audit is because um, EPIC is under investigation for the use of the money they take off the top for their for-profit management company. Okay. That lawsuit is still underway. Uh, the next court date is supposed to be in December, but it was supposed to be in August and it got postponed, so we'll see. So, so that is kind of in the background still. Okay. So that is, that is ongoing. All of the stuff that happened this week is kind of an addition to that. Okay. <clears throat> so the state board met on Monday and they called a special board meeting last week when uh, after the auditor uh, came out with her findings, uh, the auditor's office came out with their findings, uh, the state board called a special board meeting to try to claw back or uh, charge back the money that the auditor determined was uh, misspent or miscoded. So $11.2 million um, was, uh, they determined, they, they voted unanimously to require uh, Epic to pay back $11.2 million within the next 60 days. Um, $11 million of that was administration payroll costs that they had miscoded, not administration. And we all know there are limits on how much uh, a school can have in administration costs. Uh, the, you know, the goal being most of that money goes to the kids and not to administrative payroll. So, and then there is a two hundred thousand dollars that the uh, auditors found Epic had uh, loaned to, paid to a California company. Mm -hmm. uh, they are trying to expand their Epic brand in California for a, a charter school there. And obviously, Oklahoma state dollars cannot be spent in another state to educate kids outside of Oklahoma. And so uh, together, <clears throat> they are asking for all of that money back. Um, so then, so that was big board meeting number one. Correct. Then big board meeting number two was the statewide virtual charter board. Um, so what, what are they, what did they discuss? So they, they discussed something totally different. I mean, the money comes into play, but, but it's different. The, the, um, you know, the, the, the State Department of Education, the SDE and, and its board is really only in control of virtual charters in that the money flows through the State Department. So, so that's why money was their focus on Monday. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, the, the statewide virtual charter school board, they actually hold the sponsorship of Epic's charter for the one-on-one, one-to-one. Epic one-on-one. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a blended school where they actually have uh, buildings where kids can come and get part of their education. And then they have the uh, 
total virtual one-to-one uh, -one. and and the the one-to-one -one portion is what the statewide virtual charter school board sponsors and so Tuesday's meeting was to address whether they wanted to start the termination process of that sponsorship uh, based on the findings of the state auditors uh, audit. <laughs> so that is, so that vote is not final. I mean, the vote is final, but the process is not final. They move Absolutely into not. a hearing. In the law, um, you can't just shut down a school because what happens to those yeah. kids? You yes, know, so, and, and right. we wouldn't want that, not, not right. for any school. Right. So, uh, so there's a process in the law <clears throat> that says, uh, you know, you, you have to have valid findings. And the attorney for the statewide virtual charter school board happens to be from the AG's office, the attorney general's office. They, they contract for an attorney because they don't need a full-time attorney. So they right. have a, you know, an as-needed attorney through the attorney general's office, which is very common in state agencies. Mm -hmm. And she went through many, many, many violations. Like that 30 would, minutes worth. Yes, it was, it was about eye. 30 minutes worth, which would honestly stand alone. Any of those violations could lead to possible termination of a sponsorship. Sure. Combined, um, it, it's incredibly troublesome that that these practices are going on and so um what tuesday's decision meant is they will start the termination process where epic will get to have their own attorney come in and defend mm -hmm. each and every uh allegation of of misappropriation of funds or you know wh whatever the allegations were whatever the um violations were um and, and she said they were violations, uh, alleged violations of the charter, state law, and the state constitution. Correct, correct. So, so. And their contract. Know, right. They, 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 they right. not only violated the contract set between the statewide virtual charter school board and EPIC, they violated state law and they violated the constitution of Oklahoma in how state dollars can and must be spent. And, and also, you know, just general, uh, you know, for, for those that say, um, you know, it's a private business, private businesses, businesses should be able to function however they like, um, you know, they, they, they are violating many, many, many just common business practices in addition to um, breaking the law. The um, one thing that is, uh, was, has been, eye-opening for me is that the CFO of the school is also the CFO of the private business is also the CFO of that that is not a common accounting practice that is that, that's know. probably the one that that stands out the most um you know there there are two different schools uh epic blended and epic one one-to-one -one. yeah um the CFO for for each of those schools is the same gentleman who happens to also be the CFO of the private management company. And so as the auditor said it, probably one of the largest concerns was, you know, you are uh, invoicing as the CFO, you're sending an invoice from one company to the other, one school to the other, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're also taking that invoice, writing the check and then sending it back to yourself. Like, 
like there's You're saving there's, on postage. You're just saving on postage. You know, there's so many crazy, crazy things that uh, that single-handedly would raise red flags. And in combination, it's just almost unbelievable. So that meeting was on Tuesday. Correct. On Wednesday, uh, something came to light. Uh, the Tulsa World reported um, that the, the vote was three to one, the statewide virtual charter, and the one no vote was actually the aunt of one of the co-founders of Epic. Correct. Um, you know, before that vote, um, there was a, 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 a bit of concern. Uh, the reason only four members were at that meeting is because one had to be recused. He did not recuse himself. He had to be recused because of some statements he put out. Um, the rest of the board censured him. The, the, the rest of the board censored um, Mr. Hambrick, who sits on that board and has some pretty strong ties to Epic. Epic had given him money in his attempt to run for a Senate seat a while back, uh, in addition to some other um, I think there were some ties linked to him um, working to get some epic contracts. There, there are some odd, odd con uh, making odd statements on behalf of the board where correct. he doesn't have authority to do that. Correct. Um, so some odd connections there. So there's only or there was already one uh, board member that that was kind of not at that meeting on purpose because of this tie to epic. So then fast forward to that meeting the vote was three to one. It still passed, but the one no vote turns out to be an aunt of David Cheney, who is one of the co-founders of Epic, uh, you know, was the superintendent of Epic for a really long time, which again, uh, talk about a conflict of interest. You can't be the employed as the owner and then the superintendent. I mean, there's just, just a, lot, a lot going on there. Um, Epic is saying it's a distant relationship. They don't even talk. They don't have family dinners. I guess that constitutes a, a true relationship. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, you know, there were some social media posts that seemed to point to a little closer relationship than one would, uh, one would think listening to Mr. Cheney explain it. But it's not even like, can I just say that it's the, I mean, you can debate the closeness of a relationship all day, but it's not just impropriety. It's the appearance of impropriety 100%. And, and believing in the system that, that it's fair and right. And I mean, to me, this is just, uh, this is, I, I know I've said mind blowing like 7,000 times this week, but I just, to me, that is, that is inappropriate. It's inappropriate. Like top that, to bottom, that kind of stuff to back. should, yeah, that kind of stuff should be disclosed when you're being appointed to a state virtual charter board yeah. and you know you have a relation with a, an owner of a charter school. I mean, to me, it's it's the same as like, you, you can't sit on a school board and employ a relative in that school district. I mean, there are some very rare exceptions for small districts and little towns because of, you know, the number of people that are there to work. But like, for the most part, most districts, that is not allowed. And I know this isn't the same as a, is like a traditional school board, but like it, it should be treated the same. Like, come on, peeps. Absolutely. And 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 in that Tulsa World article, uh, you know, another relationship was pointed out. And and I I think 
probably would, that should be looked into as well. You know, but but just if we're just sticking to the epic thing, you know, a, a representative for the Speaker of the House uh, was interviewed for that Tulsa World, World article, and and he said, you know, the Speaker and his office appoint hundreds of people every year, so. Yeah. In part, we have to rely on the the appointee disclosing relationships. Yeah, you know, there there just isn't time or capacity to truly vet. So before we, you know, storm the governor's mansion or the Capitol, you know, um, th this is on the people involved um, yeah. as, as much as it, you know, in, in my opinion, more so than it is on leadership. I'm I'm kind of in the mood to storm things though. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we just can't announce it ahead two. of time. So <laughs> now that we've said it, we can't do it for a little while. Oh, dang it. Um, and so to backtrack a little bit, um, the attorney general made an announcement this week as well. And that actually came during the state board of ed meeting. Um, Superintendent Hoffmeister mentioned that the attorney general had appointed a special counsel to review the findings. So what does that mean? So, you know, like we said, the state board has to do with money, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the so the State Department of Education has to do with the money that flows through because all education funding comes through them, yeah. all public yeah. education funding. The statewide virtual charter school board has to do with the actual sponsorship. So, mm -hmm. so because charters are so much different than, than traditional public schools, mm -hmm. uh, they've got all these different arms yeah. where, where you know, oversight has always been a question mark for us. Um, not really a question mark for us, but it's it's always been lacking in our opinion. Mm -hmm. And um, we've and we've tried to get legislation passed to shore up where we see loopholes and multiple potential times. issues. For the last couple of years, we have uh, gotten legislators to run bills to uh, really do away with that statewide virtual charter school board and and move. Uh, virtual charters under the State Board of Education only because that staff, they've got such a big staff, they're used to school oversight. There are different types of audits, uh, not official in, in the word audit, but the, you know, they're, they've just, um, it's proven. Their system is proven in, in, in keeping schools in line and, and having folks come out and visit. We don't believe that the charter, virtual charter school board is equipped they don't have the same types of staff and, and yeah. oversight uh, capabilities. So fast forward to the Attorney General. Uh, Attorney General Hunter put out a, a statement saying he's uh, assigned a, a one of his assistant attorney generals to uh, investigate. My uh, take on that after kind of reading that, I've, I've read one article, so this is not my legal expertise because I don't really have any. But my interpretation of that is to see if if criminal charges are uh, necessary. Um, you know, when you when you talk about um, misuse of state money to the tune of more than eleven million dollars, that we know about. Um, you know, and, and and over multiple years, it's not a mistake. It's not a one time we accidentally hit the wrong button. Uh, this is not a we miscoded a couple of things. This is um, habitual. Uh, miscoding, even after um, they had been told, if you if you listen to either of those board meetings, uh, you will have you will have heard staff uh, of the State Department of Education interviewed that said, you know, those reports were sent back for correction and not corrected. 
you know, so, so, so this is, this, this is habitual behavior. And so my interpretation of what the attorney general is going to do is to see if criminal charges should come. That is, that's, that's a, that's a guess on my part, an educated guess on my part. Well, I mean, the, um, the special counsel is um, the Melissa McLawhorn Houston is the former um, secretary of education and also former labor commissioner. So she knows what's up and she, and she, and she does, this is not her first day. Yeah. <laughs> and she's part, she is sort of her liaison is with the criminal investigation unit. So I think that's a fair conclusion to draw. Well, and, and I think if, uh, I think just, just something of note is if you, if, if you read that article or the, the statement from the attorney general, so many people in that office have had to recuse themselves, including uh, Hunter himself, because of the investigation that has been ongoing, mm-hmm. uh, that the court date is coming in December. So there, there are just so many interwoven crazy well, pieces to this story. And we know that the founders of Epic give thousands and thousands of dollars to uh, to people running for office. So that should be looked into too with recusing and and um, where people stand. Correct. You know, it, when you're a when you're in, when your only income is state dollars, and you get to take. In this case, 28% of those, if you count the learning fund, that's untouchable to this point, and the 10% management fee. So 28% of the millions of state dollars coming in, and you don't have to account for those. And in, in, if that's your only income and, and you're giving to political campaigns, how on earth is that not being shouted from rooftops? Can you imagine? I'm sorry. I'm just going to briefly monologue. Can you even imagine if that was one of our public school districts, traditional brick and mortar public school districts, people would lose their minds. I mean, can you imagine that happening? Oklahoma City or Tulsa, like that's Putnam City, one of our bigger, I mean, that's just right now they're the largest school district in the state. And if you, if you said, well, Putnam City is just going to not tell you what they're doing with 28% of their funds, people would show up with pitchforks. I mean, that's just crazy town. Right. And, you know, over the last couple of years, there has been multiple uh, attempts to rein in how they can spend their money. They spent three point four million dollars in a in a very short period of time to advertise for their school. Unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's common knowledge that they use those same state dollars to recruit uh, teachers and students. You know, we can't do that in traditional public schools. So because we're using the money for the kids. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and I I did a bad thing the other day and I went and read the comments. Why would you this is on you? This is on you. (laughs) But it was enlightening in that, you know, you you saw people saying things like, Why are they shutting them down? We wouldn't shut down Edmond Public Schools. And then I'd read a comment underneath that. No, the the man would go to jail. You know what I mean? And so it's interesting to kind of see where everyone is landing on this. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and in, our, in our update that went out yesterday, I think it's really important to note that this is not attack on virtual education. You know, uh, Carrie and I actually talked this week, and I think probably if our traditional public schools had been a little quicker to get on the bandwagon of offering some diverse education options for families, 
I don't think Epic would have 60,000 students. And so we can't ignore that virtual education is something enough families want that, that we've got to figure this out. We just have to do it legally. I mean, that that's all we're asking. We're, right. we're, we are very concerned about thousands and thousands and thousands of children and families that that are scared to death right now about what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'll go back to I'll go back to our statement that students deserve a quality education, no matter where they choose to go, but they also need leaders who behave legally and ethically. I mean, absolutely. And that's what I was going to ask you, Alicia, like why some of, um, I mean, we heard it in the statewide virtual charter meeting that, um, the, indignation coming from educators and families and taxpayers across the state is just sour grapes that which is a fascinating way to put it um but why is it something we care about why does it matter to us because our kids matter to us educating our kids is is what we are all about and when you're taking 28 percent of the funds to educate those kids away instead of using those to invest in their education, uh, you know, that's unconscionable. The, the thought of $3 million um, in a short window for advertising, $500,000 for a uh, play place in, in a couple of malls. Uh, I just, our public schools would be, uh, how could we in good conscience spend that kind of money instead of investing it in our kids? I, the play, the play places at the malls that came up in the state department of ed meeting that that was coded as playground equipment. I cannot like, since I heard that, I just can't, I cannot wrap my mind around this playground equipment. What, is happening like I know that the OCAS system is subjective but that is not no no I think think to be fair we have to say we're not saying 28 percent is being taken from children because officially that learning fund is set aside for approximately and I'm not sure how you get the number approximately a thousand dollars per student and so we know from families and from from anecdotal stories uh, that some of that money is actually happening. Our problem with it is, is no one can see it. You right. don't get to take state dollars and hide them, you know, yeah. because if you do, then people are automatically going to assume the worst. So we're not trying to vilify anybody. If there wasn't something to hide, why would we be hiding it? In addition to that, I think if you've spent any time in a public school, you realize the incredibly time-consuming burdensome reporting, uh, auditing, all of the things, all of the hoops that that public schools have to jump through. And to be honest, it's, um, you know, you hear people complain about it, but it's needed because there have been some bad actors in the past, right? We have caught some people misusing money and those people need to come to justice. We would be saying the exact same thing if this were Oklahoma City Public Schools, uh, you know, Poto Public Schools. I'm not trying to put any kind of bad juju out there, but we would be saying this regardless of where it was happening. Absolutely. So uh, what happens now? So um, 
the uh, let's see gosh it depends on which part we're talking about okay um, <laughs> they have 60 days to pay back the 11.2 or so million dollars 11 million two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars two hundred and nineteen yeah 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 in my bank account um that's pocket change after anything that has million thousand i don't know so yeah so quite a bit of money they've got 60 days to pay that back i assume there's an appeal process that i'm not aware of and and there's something uh going on there um i'm also curious um you know i know when when public schools have been found to miscode and misappropriate or or whatever there's been a, a something done wrong um you know state aid allocations come monthly so I assume if the money isn't paid back, then it can be withdrawn uh, out of monthly allocations. Uh, I assume a payment plan would be arranged. That's what happens with traditional public schools. So, you know, that, I, I don't know exactly how that looks uh, if they don't voluntarily pay that money back. The second portion of the statewide virtual charter school board and the sponsorship uh, termination process beginning, uh, that hearing was set for January 21st. So really between now and then, I don't know um, that anything official will happen about the sponsorship. You know, I think that gives some, the families uh, at Epic, the kids at Epic that were terrified that their school was just going to automatically be shut down on Tuesday, uh, a little breathing room, you know, yeah. they can continue their education, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, for the uh, Attorney General's investigation, I, I truly don't know what the timeline is on it. Uh, we do know that uh, outside of that, the, the, almost two year long court case that's that's been building about um, you know ghost students and enrollment and the OSBI the, is doing the, the right that that next court date is December. I don't um, know the and lawmakers are going to hear from an audit as well, right? From the state. I apologize, I forgot that part. So uh, Rhonda Baker and Mark McBride, which are the chairs of the Common Education Committee in the House and the uh, Appropriations and Budget on education committee in the house. Uh, they attended Monday's state board meeting. And they, I know, I know Representative McBride attended uh, Tuesday's statewide virtual charter school board meeting. I assume uh, Representative Baker was also uh, tuning into that. So, you know, enough concerns have been, uh, you know, brought up that they feel like uh, they need to look at what legislative uh, you know, solutions that they can come up with. So on October the 21st, uh, next week, I believe is, yeah. is, yeah. is in that week. Days, days are so confusing right now. Uh, but on October the 21st, they are having the state auditor's office do yet another um, presentation uh, to them. And, uh, you know, the focus for them would be what legislative solutions do we need? Hmm. Part of the problem is there are legislative solutions that we've really worked hard on over the last couple of years. Representative Sheila Dills out of the Tulsa area uh, has worked her tail off to try to kind of bring some more accountability in that. But when you're not following the law, I'm not sure it matters what laws are in place unless there's some teeth to it, hmm. some 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 true consequences and maybe more immediate consequences. I'm, and I'm not saying shut them down immediately. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, um, how long do you get to string out saying no when you're subpoenaed 
when 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 with the governor of your state has called for an audit and in that audit process you're just saying nah i'm not doing that that's a problem yeah and not just a regular audit an investigative audit correct mm-hmm. oh my gosh well that is a lot it's a lot happening a lot happened this week um and a lot is is on the way starting on wednesday so and oea is right there watching making sure that you know we've got ideas on what legislation should should pass and we'll be pushing yeah. those ideas and and uh you know really we just want to make sure that those kids are getting the education that they deserve you know the leadership in our state um accountability and transparency are words i hear at the capitol multiple times every single day Mm -hmm. and you know if we're gonna walk that talk then uh you know we we've got to we've got to come up with some either some new laws or ones that have a little more teeth in them or you know this behavior will be seen as acceptable right you know there's a there's a lot of work to do and it's not acceptable it's not well Thank you, uh, Ivy Riggs, for joining us and getting everyone's blood pressure up. We totally appreciate it. Um, And keep us posted. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, we're joined today by Leanne Smith, who is the Director of Single Family Programs for the Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency. Leanne, how are you? Fabulous. How are you? Good. Um, Well, we want to talk to you about a special program for educators, but before that, can you kind of give us a big picture view of what the Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency does for folks who might not be familiar with OHFA? Absolutely. Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency has been established since the early 1980s. We were originally established to provide funding for people to uh, get rental assistance to buy homes. That's how it was originally started. But we have grown since then, and we have anywhere from nine to 12 products, programs that we utilize for the state of Oklahoma, anywhere from uh, helping developers build homes and, and also providing down payment assistance, which is what my program is. I have the OFA down payment, uh, home buyer down payment assistance program. And what we do is that we provide down payment assistance for people that try to buy homes. That program has been available since the early 1980s as well. We've helped over 40,000 uh, Oklahomans purchase homes by providing down payment assistance towards a purchase of that. So what about, you guys have something that is uh, for educators, correct? Absolutely, we do. We decided that we needed to provide a program that would give um, a special product that would give people that serve us, us, let us help them serve others as well. Mm -hmm. So we created a program called OFA for Teachers. And it's a program that provides down payment assistance for people to buy homes that are teachers. The good thing about this product is, is that it gives the consumer the down payment to buy a home, which we all know that's a detriment for people to buy homes is they don't, they think they have to save for their down payment and they do not with this program. Plus, because they are a teacher under the uh, Oklahoma State Employee Product and also offer for teachers, they would receive a quarter rate reduction. So, for instance, let's say the rate today is three. If they were a happen to be a teacher or even employed under the Oklahoma State Employee Product, they they would get a quarter rate reduction of two and three quarters. And how they apply for that is that they would go directly to one of our lenders, tell them that they're interested in purchasing a home. They would qualify them and also tell them that they would like to have OFA's uh, for teachers product with three and a half percent down payment assistance. 
then they would reserve funds for us. They'd get ready to close and then we would give them three and a half percent down payment assistance towards the purchase of the home. Wow. Down payment is always the difference between the loan amount and the purchase price. So that is what considered as the down payment. And they'd get a quarter rate reduction on that as well. It is income driven in some certain counties. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a requirement. You must have a credit score of 640 or above and your debt to income cannot exceed 45%. Uh, the term is a 30-year mortgage, and like today, if you were a teacher and you were applying for our program, your rate would be two and three quarters. So how, okay, I have several questions. So <laughs> is the, the down payment assistance, is that something they have to repay? No, the down payment currently is a gift, so there's that no repayment expected. That is awesome. And um, the down payment is always calculated off the total loan amount, the note amount. Okay, so... We, we, we're using the term teachers. So right. can we, so who exactly qualifies? Like, do you have to be a classroom teacher? How does that work? Actually, for the OFA for teachers, you have to be employed by a, you must have a teaching certificate. You must be employed by a public or parochial school mm -hmm. for you to apply for the OFA for teachers. But just because you happen to work, let's say you work at a school and you don't happen to have a teacher certificate, you could always apply under the Oklahoma State Employee Product because all the educators are listed underneath that. They still could get the, the reduction of a quarter percent. Oh, that's great. So have you guys had many teachers participate? Is this something that's kind of new or are you guys? We've, we've had it for quite some time, but we've really made a real concerted effort to push this out more in the last year. And not only that, we reduced the rate by quarter to do that, to push it out more. And so that's been a big, a big plus for us to utilize that program. The goal was to make sure that we were meeting the needs of the teachers after some of the issues that happened last year with the teachers and and some of their issues that they were having, we felt like we needed to go out more and do something to help them. So that was why we did this. We reduced it a quarter, hoping that would help them economically. But this is an amazing bonus, you know, that, that teachers can tap into, and not just teachers, but our support employees, because employed by a school, that means they're a state employee and they qualify for that quarter percent reduction in, in the interest. Absolutely. You know, there is a list on the state website that lists all the Oklahoma State employees um, agencies. And if they would look onto that list under the Department of Education, almost every school that's in the state of Oklahoma is listed underneath that as a state employee. So even if they are not have a teacher certificate, they still could qualify, qualify under the Oklahoma State employee product and still get the quarter rate reduction. The good thing about this program also is that it has a pretty hefty purchase price. The purchase price is $331,760. That's oh a gosh. good purchase price for somebody to buy a home. What? <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, for Oklahoma, you, that's, that's most places you can get, a, I mean, some nice homes. A, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's, that's nicer than my home. <laughs> I wish I was still in the classroom. Um, well, what does, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. We've done several of these loans and many times it's it's the first time buyer that's coming in to utilize the program <clears throat> or a teacher that had just gotten out of school mm -hmm. and she's starting to teach. And so therefore she's well within the income ranges for that to for us to help her purchase her home. And you know, the response has been phenomenal in regards to they love the quarter rate reduction. Yeah. Uh, they, they love the opportunity that they get down payment assistance of three and a half percent. And currently they do not have to pay that back. 
that's a big deal. Well, if people want more info, um, what do they need to do? Well, actually, if they'd like to, <clears throat> excuse me, if they'd like to call me, they're welcome to do that. My direct line is 405-419-8243, or you can go directly to our website, which is www.ohfa.org, and click under Home Buyers, because then the information is directly there for OFA for Teachers. And also, our list of lenders are on our website. They're welcome to access our list of lenders and call any of our lenders and ask them questions about this product or any of our other products as well. Great. Well, that is that is awesome. Folks who are looking to buy a home, please investigate this. Right. If you if you have student loan debt, this could be a way that you can actually yeah. own a home. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. that down payment can be such a barrier, especially if you're paying back your loans. And I, I, I highly suggest don't second grade, not second grade, don't second guess what you think you can qualify for mm. or what you can do or what you can't do. Go to a lender, let them qualify you to see if you meet the guidelines because, you know, you very well might get a yes. And yep. our goal is to say yes to home ownership. We want you to own a home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Leanne, for coming and talking to us about this. This is, this is a big deal and we, we, are, we are very happy to spread the word. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me and have a great weekend. You too. And welcome to Alicia's morning announcements. Ding, dee, dee, dee. Um, coming to you from fall break. Uh, I am on a quick Kenna Alicia getaway to Dallas. Uh, we had 24 hours of, of opportunity between basketball practice, her work schedule, my work schedule, which we can do remotely. Mother-daughter yeah. um, time. Yeah, so got to have some family time. Yes. And I hope that everyone had a great fall break or is having a great fall break and is getting some rest. Yeah. Um, because what you are doing for kids is uh, ridiculously hard and you deserve some time away from that. So please take some time to, uh, to rejuvenate yourself. All right, so the rest of the announcements. Uh, the last day to request an absentee ballot is October 27th. You can request a ballot, uh, the absentee ballot, through the Oklahoma Voter Portal, okvoterportal.okelections.us is the... Uh, so easy to remember. So easy to remember. <laughs> Get a pen. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> Okvoterportal.okelections.us. All right. Um, also, uh, an easier website to remember is the website uh, link for the OEA elections guide, which has all the information um, that we asked candidates and if they even responded. And of course, OEA only asks education policy issues. So you can find that at okea.org slash vote 2020. You know what? I'm going to put a link to the voter portal on ours. Okay. You can actually remember okea.org slash vote 2020. I mean, that's easy, right? That's why we make them easy. Yes. Um, and also in election news, we have three great candidate events uh, this weekend. Um, so look those up. But if you... If you don't want to participate in one of those, find a candidate that you like yeah. and just contact their campaign and do something for them. I 
I like to think of it as turning my angst into action and I can just walk it out. Yes, because if you are lit dropping, you can walk an easy three to 10 miles for yeah. a candidate. And, yeah. and it means so much and it's so super helpful right now. You yeah. don't even have to have any personal interaction with anyone. Yeah. Just go look at the addresses they give you and put literature on a door. Done. So easy. And the weather is so beautiful right now. It's easy it to is. do. I mean, you can do it even after school, like 30 minutes a day, yeah. you know, or 15 minutes. You can get a, an entire turf done in a week. You can conscript your children, which is what I do. Yes. Much I, to your chagrin. I, I uh, have my husband that See? comes. I mean, he's like, who are we walking for today? Just kidnap your relatives. Yes. <laughs> the ideas expressed in this are not necessarily <laughs> those. <laughs> All right. And um, academic Allstate Awards, something different than elections. Uh, academic Allstate Awards are up. And uh, I guess you can go on and nominate someone um, at OFE.org. That's an easy one. Yes. Uh, o F is in Frank, E as in elephant.org uh, for academic Allstate awards. And last but not least, I want to give you a reminder that the last chance to update your OEA life insurance beneficiary and be entered in to win one of 10 $25 gift certificates is, uh, is upon us. So um, we really do need you to update your OEA life insurance beneficiary through um, NEA member benefits. Uh, it is a complimentary life insurance policy worth up to $1,000, or um, if it's an accidental death and dismemberment, $150,000. So you have to, you need to put in your, in your beneficiary. And so we've got a, uh, on the edge, and I'm sure on the website, Carrie, right? Yep. A link where you can complete the quick eight question survey and get that updated. Uh, if you do that by the end of the day today, you will uh, be in for a drawing for one of 10 $25 gift cards. So, I mean, that's a good deal. Yeah, do it too. You already have, I mean, you already have the life insurance. It's already there. Might yeah. Make sure that it's going to, it goes the, to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Be, because our NEA member benefits guy told us that they've had to give um, a life insurance policy to an ex-husband twice removed oh, because the beneficiary on this policy wasn't um, updated. Yeah. So you want that, it to go to the person. Yeah. So. Um, well, good. Well, you know, guys, I want to circle back to what you said about spring break, Alicia. Spring break, break. break. Where are we? What day is <laughs> What day is it? I don't even know. I want, I just, I, I am so in awe of what educators have done this first quarter, essentially. I mean, making it happen in the most creative, amazing ways and doing it for kids. And it is, it is awesome. And I hope everybody's taking time to just put their oxygen mask on first and relax, take a break. They've freaking earned it. Holy yeah, they have. moly straight up it has not been easy no and and your kiddos need you for the second semester second quarter and next semester and 
just you gotta you gotta you can't burn out you can't do kids any good if you if you have to leave teaching so yeah if you're empty inside because yeah. you you don't do any self-care then um then you can't be any good to anybody else when they need you yep well on that on that note <laughs> hang in there and we appreciate everything you do and we want to say uh thank you so much to our guest today uh, Leanne Smith from the Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency and Ivy Riggs, one of our lobbyists here at OEA. And thank you for listening uh, to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.